Hello, and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and I'm treading dangerous water this time because while I'm rebooting a property I like, I know it's definitely other people's favorite property, so if Fire Emblem didn't get us canceled, this one might. Well, I... I personally think that canceling only works if like people know that we exist. So, uh, please send us death threats because <laughs> I have the wrong opinions about the Bat Family. <laughs> Anyways, so this week, my original intention was to make the sequel to Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. But in trying to figure that out, I really got torn between like three separate ideas. <laughs> Oh. And it's all dependent on what you think we should do with Cassandra Kane. Okay. So, for a quick recap, Birds of Prey was released in 2020, like, a week before lockdown. So, for many people, if the last movie they saw wasn't not Sonic the Hedgehog, it was Birds of Prey. And it starred Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, reprising her role from Su- Suicide Squad. Not to be confused with The Suicide Squad, which also starred Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. <laughs> it had Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Helena Bertinelli, a.k.a. The Huntress. Journey Smollett as Dinah Lance, a.k.a. Black Canary. Rosie Perez as Renee Montoya, just Renee Montoya. Chris Messina as Victor <laughs> Ella J. Basco as Cassandra Kane, And Ewan McGregor as Roman Sionis, a.k.a. Black Mask. Now, it followed. Uh, Margot Robbie breaks up with the Joker, and she becomes, like, number one target in Gotham for all the criminals who realize she's no longer under Joker's protection. Mm-hmm. So she's running for them, and she has assorted run-ins with the various women who will end up becoming the Birds of Prey by the end of the film. She also ends up adopting an orphan, not an orphan, but like a foster child pickpocket waif named Cassandra Kane, who swallowed a diamond that has the Bertinelli bank codes engraved on it, and that's why everyone's after her. And then they all come and team up together at the end, and they're able to kill Victor George and uh, Roman Sionis. And he explodes, and everyone has brunch together, and it's great, and everyone's happy, hooray, and feminism. It's the most feminist movie ever made. Yay! It's possible hyperbole, but it is an extremely good movie. Yeah. Our friend and former guest of the show, Serge, really liked it. He did a whole video about why you should like Birds of Prey. He did it in uh, Harley Quinn. Not Harley Quinn cosplay. That's a different Patreon stretch goal for him, I feel. (laughs) Um, But definitely Harley Quinn, like, Disney bounding. Yeah. Almost everyone had loved the movie 100%. The only two kinds of people that didn't like it are the ones who uh, extremely didn't like it because of just normal sexist reasons, mm-hmm. and the ones who liked it but. And the but is Cassandra Kane, which I have learned in my, like, 48 hours of research on what I should be doing. Yeah. And essentially, Cassandra Kane in the comics, is a character who was introduced in 1999, I believe, during the No Man's Land event, which is kind of like the birth of modern Batman Bat family, apparently. She was introduced as the child of David Kane, a notorious assassin, who, I can't remember if he actually has connections to the League of Assassins or not, but he's a notorious assassin. Um, Mm -hmm. And she was born from her mother because he wanted, he thought her mother was the other best assassin, and so he wanted to create a living weapon out of Cassandra, who was trained to kill from birth, just kill. She was not taught how to read or write or speak. So she does not know any language at all. All, The only thing she knew was body language. So she has fighting skills that are basically like precognition because she knows what move you're going to do as soon as you're going to do it. Unfortunately, that means that she can also heavily read emotions. And so when she saw the entire emotional spectrum go through someone who she had just killed at the age of six, she was like, "Mm, I'm not going to do that anymore. Except she didn't say that because, again, cannot speak or anything. 
So she fucking hightailed it out of there. She came to Gotham as a vigilante, and eventually she fell in with the Bat family, and they adopted her, and she became the second or third Batgirl, depending on your... If you want to count Helena's brief stint after Barbara, and then, but, like, it was Barbara, then Helena, and then uh, 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 Cassandra... And then after that, it was Stephanie. And now it's kind of Stephanie and Cassandra, both at the same time, I think. Uh, Cassandra also had a brief stint as, as Orphan, where she was in her, like, anti-hero phase. But she's back on the side of the angels now. Or the side of the bats, rather. Yeah. And, yeah, her her dad did work for Ra's al Ghul. There we go. Yeah. So, that character I just described is nothing like the character in the Birds of Prey film. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, some people, when they did the... I liked it, but criticism they said that uh the cassandra that we got in birds of prey in the birds of prey movie was more like stephanie yeah more like stephanie i've also seen holly brown thrown around who is like one of catwoman's uh, mysterious wave sidekicks okay so the way i see it we have three options here uh, because like i i was asking around i <laughs> i unfortunately ended up asking emily uh Lady Emily, also former guest of the show, another big uh, Cassandra Kay and Bat Family stan. I ended up asking her twice on Tumblr and on Twitter because I wanted to try and get an answer from her before I recorded this. <laughs> and so th- a few people got in my mentions and therefore her mentions also when I was asking like why Cassie Kane was so divisive in the film. And everyone's like, it was because she was nothing like the comic book character, plain and simple. Um, and then Lady Emily was able to answer me on Tumblr uh, seven hours ago exactly. <laughs> She said, I enjoyed her in the sense that she was a fun character in the movie, so long as I didn't think of her as Cassandra Kane. I know there's been some deleted posts from people involved with the movie that imply that they wanted a more accurate cast, but executive meddling got in the way, which is a shame. I think any adaptation of cast a thousand percent needs to keep her struggle with language and reading and talking. We get so little representation with people that struggle with illiteracy and being mute and her struggling with it and overcoming it is such a vital part of her character to me. Yeah. So the way I see it is we have three options. Okay. Uh, option one is we try and, like, do some light retcons to Cassie's backstory to try and bring her in more in line with the comic book character in the sense that, like, before she met Harley, she had those uh, reading and speaking issues, but she's already kind of overcome them. But, like, maybe she still struggles. We know when you think about it. I don't think there's anything in Birds of Prey that says that Cassie can necessarily read. Yeah. Um... But again, it's also the the mutism, and it's like, I think the best we could do is, like, at this point is select a mutism brought on by trauma, but it's one of those things where it's, like, backtracking to try and fix the mistake already made instead of doing a more accurate portrayal of the character, but it's an option. Yeah. The other option is doing a full, just, reset of Birds of Prey, um, which I think, for the purposes of my idea, if we go that route, would just excise Harley entirely. Potentially. Yes. Yeah. And then the third option is just none Cassie. Yeah. We just, we, we shuffle Cassie off and we say, focus elsewhere. <sighs> the thing is, I think I would, for the sake of Cassandra's character, I would most prefer a soft reboot of Birds of Prey. Yeah, yeah. Because thinking about it, like the other options are kind of messy and yeah. Yeah. Now, now here's the thing is that if you want to hear my idea for the one where it's not a soft reboot, it's going to be very much like the idea I'm about to pitch, except Harley is there. And also, instead of the full mutism, it's just selecting mutism and backstory. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of movies could be improved by just saying, and Harley Quinn is there. And she's like, hey, I'm Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. It's me. <laughs> it's me, Agent of Chaos. <laughs> 
And you know what? I, I like the soft reboot as well because it does solve a lot of our, a few other things. Mainly, I feel like my idea for uh, a more traditional that takes Cassie would be feel a lot similar to what Helena's plot was in the first one. So we're not necessarily retreading her whole deal. Yeah. It also means that we can age down Renee Montoya. And I love older women in a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it makes more sense to have just a little bit younger Renee Montoya. Because Rosie Perez is in her 50s. Yeah. Like, I think um, of Renee Montoya, like, she would definitely still be the oldest of the group, but probably more late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. My thing with the, the thing about Renee Montoya is that she needs to kind of, like, get drummed out of the police force and become the question. Mm-hmm. And for, I don't know why, it just, it doesn't feel right to have her doing that when she's almost 60. Yeah. Like, when retirement is, um, like, a couple years away. Where it's like, if she's 36, 37, like, she's still got a good at least 10 years, if not 15. I'm sort of thinking of, like, career-wise. Say she joined the the police force in, like, her mid-20s, so she's, she's already got 10 years under her belt. It's sort of like, I still have time left. I can still do stuff. Or, like, maybe the glimmer of potentially reforming the police from within yeah well i think i think she starts with that and pretty early on then she's like shoved out and that's when she's like okay you know what screw it uh, pi time yeah and like i would that's the other thing i would very much like to see renee montoya be the question i don't think she's ever appeared as the question on screen i think she's always only ever been renee yeah oh and another reason that i think it just makes more sense for for renee montoya to be a little younger is that if we have an already older renee montoya being introduced I don't see her, like, taking on the mantle of the question. At that point, I feel like it makes more sense to see her passing on the mantle of the question to one of her mentees, which is something that I don't even think happens at all in the coughs yet. It's just, like, it makes more sense for her mentor to be the one in his 60s, uh, and then she is the one who's, like, 20-ish years younger, and she's, like, coming to her own after she's been drummed out of the force, and now she gets to hit the streets as the question. Yeah, so, make her the question earlier on, is she gonna have the fedora? And, like, the face mask thing? Yes. Okay, cool. Absolutely. And then, okay, I did some quick age Googling, and if Famous Birthdays is correct, uh, I would like to propose Liseth Chavez, who already has some DC stuff under her belt because she was in the last few seasons of Legends of Tomorrow, and I really liked her, and I think she could easily play hard-boiled... I mean, she was already a little hard-boiled, a little pulpy when she was on Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. And so I think she would be a good question. Also, I don't know if the actress is queer... Um, but she was queer on the show. Yeah. She was asexual. She was officially the first asexual character in the Arrowverse. Oh. Uh, her character on Legends of Tomorrow. But also there was, there was definitely something, like, there were heavy vibes between her and the character Astra. And so then when Astra suddenly got together with Bayrod and said, everyone's like, we don't mind because we love Astra and we love Bayrod. But this does not make any sense, because Astra's clearly got a thing for Spooner, and also Benad has clearly got a thing for <laughs> for Nate. Which is awkward, because Nate clearly has a thing for Bayrod's sister, except it's not his sister that he has a thing for, it's his her his sister from an alternate timeline where he died. Um, it's time travel! That's neither here nor there. I just like, mm, I'm gonna have to do a Legends Tomorrow episode one of these days. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> okay, we're gonna slot Lesseh Chavez into the question situation. Also, because Renee Montoya, we've got to have just a Batwoman cameo, at the very least. Yes. So Evan Rachel Wood is going to show up for five minutes and make out with the Seth Chavez, and that's it. Woo! 
With tongue. She can have a bigger role in a later film because I have an idea for a sequel already. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, now I have to talk about a completely different movie. <laughs> have you ever heard of the film Modern Girls? I think so. That's a lie. No one has heard of this film. I'm the only person who's seen this film, I think. Except, I think the... <laughs> unless you saw me reblogging stuff for it on Tumblr. I, I think I've heard you talking about it. You have not. <laughs> I'm sure I have. Lindsay, I watched this film like five days ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this film like five days ago because it was on my tube list and I watched it. Uh, it stars, uh, the only people from it that you've probably heard of are Virginia Madsen and Daphne Zuniga. Uh, and Daphne Zuniga you've only heard of because she was Princess Vespa in Spaceballs. Oh, okay. Anyways, Modern Girls... It's about three, uh, like, 20-something girls in the 80s, and it's they're out on a night in L.A., and there's a boy, and then events happen. And that's the film. But it's so good, because it is, it is in my heart of hearts, the epitome of the one crazy night film. Well, maybe it's the runner-up to the epitome of the one crazy night film, because, of course, the greatest one crazy night film is Adventures in Babysitting. And Modern Girls is kind of like Adventures in Babysitting, except instead of a baby, it's three 20-somethings and a boy and a rock star. <laughs> And they're all the babysitter, and they're all the babies. Yeah. And and the moral of the story at the end is like, female friendship is so powerful, and there's a boy here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I watched this. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to bring up um, Days and Confused 2 as like a really good One Crazy Night film, because that's just about like a bunch of teenagers hanging out, basically having a bush party in a small town in Texas. And it has one of the best soundtracks out there. I love and support that. <laughs> Has anyone ever seen Daisy? I didn't even know there was a Daisy and Confused 2. No, there isn't a Daisy and Confused 2. It's just Daisy and Confused. Oh. I watched oh, it with oh, Ryan. You're, you're... I watched it with Ryan for his work. Oh, okay. I thought you were you were saying Daisy and Confused also. Okay. I was just... No, no, because... Yeah. You you said you said I also you said I want to pitch Days and Confused too, and you were saying it like I also want to suggest Days and Confused, but I heard it as I want to I I heard it as Lindsay has seen the sequel to Days and Confused. No, no, there isn't a sequel. What I meant is that I have seen Days and Confused. I think Ryan has said that he would like to come onto the show to do something related to Days and Confused because again, it has a very good soundtrack. <laughs> Ryan's gonna come on and do Days and Confused too. <laughs> Sure. Anyway, let's get back to Modern Girls. Let's get back to Modern Girls so that we can get back to Birds of Prey, which is what the actual <laughs> subject is. But anyway, so I didn't know what I was going to do for the movie. I really, I honestly didn't know much of what I was going to do until like today. But earlier I was like, what's even my starting point for this film? And then I watched Modern Girls and I was like, oh, okay. But the Birds of Prey film is a film about female friendship, but it's also just one wild night in Gotham. It's going to last from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. A whole bunch of bullshit's going to go down, and the girls are just going to be, like, steadfast together, even while they're getting to, like, horrible bar brawls, like, every 15 minutes. Yes. <laughs> and maybe Harley Quinn is there. I mean, listen, if The Suicide Squad was a soft reboot of Suicide Squad, then The Birds of Prey can be a soft reboot of Birds of Prey. <laughs> this is the Tim Gunn version. <laughs> No, 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 that, James Gunn. Oh, yeah, James Gunn. God, what is up with Tim my brain? Tim Gunn is Project Runway. What? <laughs> what the fuck is up with my brain? 
Not not just yours. We're both off the shits tonight. I haven't even cracked. I haven't even cracked a mites yet. I'm like, what the fuck is in my wine? Maybe it's girls. It is heat stroke. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, so here's here's the best part about a one crazy night plot is that honestly, it can the, you can just have random events happen. Situ- yeah. we, we are putting these girls in situations. <laughs> yes. All we have to do is figure out a start and an end, and we go from there. So let's talk yeah. about Cassie Kane first. Yes. Like I said, she's going to be true to the text, and her arc in this film is going to be very similar to the Helena Bertinelli arc that was previously done. Uh, yeah. In the sense that, like, she's an anti-hero, but she... Well, I guess, no, she can't kill, because that was her whole thing. So yeah. she's... Being an anti-hero, she's kind of filling the footsteps of Batman. I don't know what's going on with the Bat family right now. We're not going to worry about it. Maybe they're just busy elsewhere. Yeah. Oh, you know what it can be? What? We can adapt um, the... It can be that arc when Bane broke everybody out of Arkham. Okay, yeah. Because... So in the comics, there was an arc where Bane broke everybody out of Arkham, and while Batman and co. were trying to hunt down every single prisoner they've ever had to put in there, and every person... Because I think, I don't think, I think he, like, he broke everyone out of Arkham. I think he also broke all the prisons open, too. Okay. And it was just, the, the idea was that Bane was responsible for having just a flood of criminals in the Gotham City streets. And I feel like that was in part of what may have inspired some of the stuff that happened in uh, Dark Knight Rises movie. Yeah. Uh, but the important thing is that Gotham, which is normally a crime-ridden city, is now just like an absolute shit show. Mm-hmm. But also because it's Gotham, it's like everyone's kind of everyone is very bl- not blasé about it, but like they're acclimated to it. Yeah. There's more crime than usual, but also everyone's like, I mean, it's Gotham, so yeah, just don't go down certain alleyways, and you'll be fine. Exactly. Um. But yeah, so that's what the whole bad family is busy cleaning up, and so. Mm-hmm. This can be like this night is the formation of the birds of prey, so we're gonna have. Renee as the question, like, tracking people. Maybe this is when she takes up the mantle of the question, like, in the first few minutes of the film. Yeah. She takes up the mantle from her mentor, Vic. I feel like his name was Vic something. Vic Sage, right? It was Vic Sage. At the beginning of the film, it's like the the the, the prisons have been open for a few days already. Um, Renee is drummed out of the police force because she was actually, like, being a decent human being to them. Because the, she, like... She sent to track them down, and they're like, I was arrested ten years ago because for, for loitering, and then I missed my court date. And she's like, oh, okay, never mind. Uh, I'll just tear up this warrant then. You're free. Mm-hmm. And then her boss is like, you can't do that! Crime! Because all police are bastards. Uh, yeah. So she gets fired from she gets fired from GCPD, because, like, Renee Montoya, this is the sixth time this week that you've not shot an innocent person. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. She goes fi- She goes to find her mentor, P.I. Vic Sage, and he's like, guess what? Before I had horrible stage four lung cancer from smoking all the time as an art detective, I was the question. <laughs> Here's my funky mask. <laughs> I had a three-pack-a-day habit. The other mystery is that a bunch of criminals are ending up dead, but, like, not by police hands, and definitely not by the Bat family's hands, because, like, if the cops may not fully trust the Bat family, but one thing they know is that the Bat family does not kill. Yeah. And, the like, very much the Bat family is off-screen during this. Like, so I feel like if we have Kate Kane show up, she's just going to show up at Kate Kane, and, like, viewers in the know are going to be like, ooh, that's Batwoman. 
But she's gonna be like, hi, Renee Montoya, I'm your normal heiress girlfriend. Don't worry about me. I'm nor- <laughs> I'm just a normal woman. Uh, but yeah, the Bat family are gonna, like, these mysterious figures off. Maybe we'll see them, like, swooping in the night in the distance, but they're never gonna have a major role in the film until, like, the very, very end. Yeah. But we've got Renee, and she's doing the thing we just said she's doing. We're gonna have mm-hmm. Helena Bertinelli, who's like, I feel like she would be just rolling back into town, like, after her training montage. She had her Bruce Wayne training montage, and she's back in to, like, no, because that's still that's still way too similar to the original Birds of Prey. So what should we have Helena even be doing? <laughs> yeah, because the thing about Huntress, uh, Helena, is that she's kind of like the shoot first, ask questions later type. Yeah. Maybe she's in Gotham, like, she's done her training montage. Yeah. She's maybe a bit more established now, and she's, um, okay, so you got the whole Bernelli diamond. She already got her revenge. Maybe there's something else about her family. Here's something. Um, she's made one of Oracle's full-time agents in Birds of Prey after responding immediately to Barbara's intercepted call for help. Uh, with two active agents in rotation, the layer workload allows for Oracle to set up J-jobs for Huntress and Black Canary. Uh, Huntress is an elementary school teacher. Uh, and then she realizes her childhood dream of teaching, which gives her a great sense of fulfillment and inspires her a stronger sense of protectiveness. Oh, okay. So, but you know what? <laughs> that sounds bonkers, and apparently later it turns out that, like, that was a subtle manipulation on Oracle's behalf to make her behave properly, which is weird. Yeah. But I could... I feel like we can work with that and, like, specifically have Helena maybe give her a different surname because the mantle of Huntress has been used by a lot of different people. Um, mm-hmm. We can even just use her middle name Rose or Rosa so she can be Miss Rosa. Yeah. Uh, and she's, like, a high school teacher. And she's, like, the strict teacher, but she's really cool to, like, the weird kids who really bond with their, like, one teacher. Yeah. She's she's the English teacher, but she also coaches girls field hockey. Yeah. And it'll be like she's really she's really strict with some there's some shitty boys in her class who are like they snap a girl's bra strap and she gives them detention immediately, and then she goes to the girls like, in case I'm not here to help you, here's how you completely decimate him. Mm-hmm. Now you wanna make sure you don't kill him, but you do have to hurt him enough that his family is actually too afraid of you to press a lawsuit. <laughs> We'll give her pants, too. Yeah. I feel like that's that's a given for a lot of uh, lady superheroes who are established early on. It's like, listen, I'm, I know the Thong of Power looks great on so many people, but I feel like she deserves pants. It's also, like, on film, it's like, first you've got to get the actress into this. And then she's got to move in this. <laughs> and we don't want to get an NC-17 rating. Yeah, I don't want to make any grand sweeping decisions, but I feel like the only woman who should be off the top of my head, the only woman who needs to be rocking the 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 power the power undies, the camel toe, is Power Girl. <laughs> I want if Power Girl ever gets a movie, she needs to have the thong of power and the boob window. Yeah, <laughs> the cut of her unitard has to be like something out of Baywatch that they put on Pam Anderson. Anyway, <laughs> um, who who's left? Black Canary. Yeah. Um, I say no notes. Yeah, no notes. I really, I really like her uh, portrayal from the first one. I like the idea of her as a legacy character, yeah. whose mom was let down by the police, 
Yeah. Um, and I think it makes sense that she and Renee already have a history together, like a platonic mm-hmm. history, but like butting heads because of the law enforcement and whatnot. Yeah. And also having her be a professional singer makes a shit ton of sense. Mm-hmm. I'm, I know in um, All-Star Batman and Robin, which is was not great, that she was like, had a bar. Yeah. And I do think, like she was a bartender, I do think it makes more sense for her to be a bartender than a florist. Which is, that was the cover entity that Oracle gave her in Birds of Prey. Yeah, no, she... I'm like, girl, a florist? Going off of what we saw in the actual Birds of Prey movie, I would say it's more likely for her to be, like, either like either run a bar or she runs a, a garage. I think, well, we'll save the garage for if we introduce Lady Blackhawk. Yeah. Which we can introduce her in the sequel, but right now mm-hmm. I just... Also, I know that Lady Blackhawk was technically the other founding member and not the question, and actually Renee Montoya, as the question has never been on the Birds of Prey, but I want to include her because it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And Lady Blackhawk is kind of Captain America-ish in her backstory. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like if we go the bartender route, uh, Black Canary would be very... It'd be very Coyote Ugly, which, like, she helps 10 bar... But, like, if the patrons are nice enough, then she will sing for them. Yes. Quick, producers, put Can't, Stop, Can't Fight the Moon... Was it Can't Fight the Moonlight? Yeah. Put that in the yeah. soundtrack. <laughs> Get some old school Liam Rhymes on there. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's all these three who kind of find themselves wandering out into the night and dealing with various criminals, and somehow they all get, end up getting in contact with Oracle, with Barbara, because she's like, there's too many villains out there. We've gotten rid of a lot of, like, just, like, the non-powered guys, so now it's just fully a rogues gallery situation that we're trying to deal yeah. with, and the cops cannot handle this, and ACAB anyways. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Bat family truly has its hands full. Like, I don't know, maybe they're just, like, all fighting Clayface at the same time. Like, they're yeah. trying to get rid of the heavy hitters, but there's still enough, like, C-listers to pose a threat to the populace. Yeah. And... Like, she's hacked into the CCTV cameras. She's trying to track down anyone who looks like they might be able to help. She finds Renee Montoya going out as the question. She uh, finds Helena Bertinelli just, like, fully suiting up as the Huntress. Because maybe maybe she's, like, taking advantage of this. Like, I'm going to take care of some of the people who came after my family. Yeah. Because they got, like, maybe the, the Falcons got out. Yeah. Maybe in this continuity of, like, the Falcons helped take down the Bertinellis. Mm-hmm. We can get a full-on Helena versus Sophia Falcone cat fight, slap fight, Mud Russell fight. <laughs> just, just one of those scenes where it's like, as a feminist, I am outraged, and as a lesbian, I am delighted. <laughs> Look, as a bisexual woman, I fully support women fighting women. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to slap a bitch, okay? <laughs> yes. It's the Andrew Woman Lady Different One slap fight. <laughs> <laughs> and seven-year-old Lindsay's like, I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. I know that one didn't. I still had to wait a bit before uh, Helga Sinclair came into my radar. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, three years later. Whereas yeah. that stuff like, made me gay because I felt nothing, but I really enjoyed Izzy going, I don't think I should be watching this. And then Kari going, <laughs> kick her in the balls! <laughs> <laughs> I love the Digimon dub. Kari did not actually say kick her in the balls, but that's what she wanted to say. Yes. Anyways. Um, and then Barbara, she just, she basically just calls, maybe she sees a bunch of guys get absolutely ruckus as, uh, uh, what's her name? Laurel? 
It's uh, Dinah, Dinah, but like I know her as Laurel because of Errol. Yeah. She's Barbara sees Black Canary ruckusing some guys who are trying to like hold up the bar, and she's like, "Hey, uh, if you can put someone else behind the bar for a little bit, can you help track down the weird person that like the weird people who are like gutting people like fish?" Mm-hmm. Because that's that's the main problem, as I mentioned before, is like people are dying mysteriously in the middle of all this, and like they can't attach it to like a known criminal, and it also it's only other criminals that are getting undone, like growing to gullet. Yeah. And so at some point, the ladies meet up with each other, and they're like, oh, we're all working the same case. Uh, and then they're going to find Cassie, and Cassie, they're going to assume that it's Cassie, but it's not Cassie. But Cassie, like, they're not going to realize it's not Cassie till near the end. Yeah. Uh, but once Cassie is introduced, like, the midway of the film, we also start following Cassie's adventures as well. And that's when we can, like, dip into some of her backstory and very much establish that, like, yeah, she does not speak anything. And, like, first we play for, like, ominous and, like, she doesn't say anything and she doesn't seem to understand anything we're saying. And then, like, later on it's like, oh, no, this is a tragedy because she does not understand the thing we're saying. Yeah. Or actually what we could do is we, we could make it clear from the beginning that, like, not only does she not understand written or spoken language, but we can even flip things to Cassie's perspective. And maybe, like, whenever other people are trying to talk to her, it just comes out as, like, muffled mumbles. And whenever she looks at something that we know has letters on it, it's just a bunch of jumbled up lines and stuff. Because, like, it doesn't mean anything to her. And it probably won't mean anything to her for the rest of the night until maybe at the end. But, like... Because she's such a body language expert, she can pretty quickly deduce that the birds of prey are on her side, but she's not able to communicate to them that she is on their side. And that would be, like, the main cause of conflict between these two groups until they're able to, like, join forces near the end. Like, this, I feel like it's kind of, isn't, still isn't quite a Cassie Kane movie, but I, I guess it kind of is just in the sense that Cassie acts as an antagonistic force for the first two acts, and then... Once they join forces, the final villain becomes uh, Raish, or maybe it's uh, Talia. Someone, some bigwig from the League of Assassins. That's what prompts the Birds of Prey to directly realize, oh, this mysterious person dressed in all black and non-lethally fighting off all these assassins is clearly on our side, so let's join up with her. Uh, And presumably, like, Rene Montoya would be able to, like, because... As I've kind of established, Renee Montoya is, like, the most nice and more openly welcoming of all the Birds of Prey. So even if Cassandra doesn't understand what Renee Montoya is saying, she'd pick up on the the body language. And she would be able to, like, connect, like, okay, these women do not mean me any harm. Yeah. And then when they see Cassie is only 16, they're like, hey, can we just deliver her to the orphan collector? (laughs) (laughs) And that is Bruce Wayne. (laughs) <laughs> maybe that's it you know maybe that's when batwoman shows up and she's like i know a guy who might be able to help with this situation trust me yeah he has a very big house yes and that's like the bones of the premise yeah so what are some other random events that you'd like to see occur okay um because let's see in birds of prey we got like a fun house fight i think we need a fight somewhere weird what if the fight ends up at Wayne Manor? Oh, yeah. Because the only person there would be Alfred, and odds are he's in the Batcave. Yeah. And, like, he could definitely defend himself. I I would not be surprised if they tricked out that house. Like, Tony Stark installed Jarvis in there to do stuff. But, like... I feel like Bruce wouldn't trust AI because he's had to deal with assorted oh, AIs yeah. before. 
Yeah, he's dealt with Brainiac, so he doesn't trust it. Um, it would be funny if the weird trophies were, like, in the mansion itself and not in the Batcave. Like, maybe that is where the giant penny and the dinosaur are. Because... Yes. Because if, if to anyone else, they're just weird modern art. Yeah! Bruce can totally pass it off as, like, I, I got this at Sotheby's for so much money. <laughs> it's neat. Yeah. <laughs> because, again, he's rich. He's allowed to be weird. Exactly. <laughs> Let Bruce be weird. Brucey yeah. Wayne. <laughs> Look, the thing about Bruce Wayne, like, in my, like, how I would do a Batman episode, I didn't make him, like, I can fund the Justice League satellite rich, but, like, I think he should at least have some money, have enough money to, you know, fund his hobbies. I don't know. There's a Jackson Pollock in there so that people are like, oh, yeah, that's totally modern art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I could see a fight in Wayne Man. Okay. You know what? It wouldn't be Alfred and Bruce who put in booby traps. It would be Damien. I don't know if Damien would be in here yet. Like, just I'm thinking of the chronology. I feel like this is this would be around the time where, like, Stephanie is spoiler and Tim is Robin. I don't, okay. I feel like this, in this point in the story, we haven't gotten to Damien yet. Okay. Whoever the youngest is, they've set up booby traps a la. I could see Stephanie Brown doing it. Yeah. Because I was thinking like Home Alone style booby traps. Or, oh, you know who else, you know what else actually, and maybe this can be something flashier than Wayne Manor is. So you, you know of Stephanie Brown. Yeah. Yeah, and her dad was Clue Master, yes. former game show host. So what if this night is also the birth of Clue Master, oh. and so they end up on the set of, like, Get a Clue, or whatever his show was called. Yeah! It's like, or it's like even less studio backlot, and so they go through a bunch of different shows. Yeah, they're running through a bunch of different shows, from, like, game shows to, there's gotta be at least, like, one reality show that's going on. Um some new stuff, a soap opera, and um, I think Clue Master's show is probably something akin to, like, Family Feud. Yeah, it's like it's like a Family Feud or a Jeopardy thing. Apparently it's usually called Quiz Bowl. Okay. I think with a Family Feud situation, like, having the two teams, yeah, I don't know, it just feels a little more high energy than, like, Jeopardy. Yeah. Maybe they're following clues and they assume it's the Riddler and then they find that the Riddler's being captured by Clue Master and he feels really bad about it because he's like, come on, Clue Master? Are you kidding me? I should be better than this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Riddler wasn't on his A game that night. <laughs> I'm tired. I keep trying to leave people clues and they get messed up by other supervillains. <laughs> Yeah, I think Riddler's one of those villains that only works when there's no other villains out tonight. <laughs> or he he's able to team up with the guy just a little bit. Like mm -hmm. I don't I don't want this to be the Riddler from the Batman, who's no. like an internet incel. I want this to be like a campy, like Jim Carrey esque Riddler. Yes. Bring back the guy who played him in Gotham. Yeah. Uh Corey Michael Smith was the name. He was a good Riddler. That guy, plus maybe like a little sideshow, sideshow Bobbish. Do you know who's all Simpsons references go over my oh head? Oh my god! I've only seen like three episodes, Lindsay. <laughs> that was Kelsey Grammer's character. 
<laughs> and he I and didn't he even know Kelsey Grammer was on it. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. They did a whole like episode reference to Cape Fear. Okay. And it ended with Bart and Bart and Sideshow Bob singing the Pirates of Penzance. Truly, this is all Greek to me. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> the one person I know who hasn't seen seen The Simpsons. Apparently. <laughs> what else? We we do need scenes of them bonding with, as a family. Yes. Or, like, growing to be friends with each other at the very least. Yeah. We need the 2 a.m. Denny's run. Yes. They are beaten up. This is definitely not going to be a Beauty is Never Tarnished movie. And they're just, like, sitting in a Denny's or an off-brand Denny's. I don't know what they would be talking about. Like, maybe they're trying to fit some clues together. But, like, yeah, they're having a good moment. They're kind of half out of it, too. Yeah, like, it starts with them trying to fit clues together. Eventually, there's just, like, them bonding over their uh, similarities of whatnot. Yeah. You know, because, like, Helena and Dinah would bond over loss of family. Mm-hmm. And Renee and Dinah can bond over... Their past. Their mutual past. Yeah. Works Oh, yeah, out. yeah, that's right. I did yeah. establish that. And Renee and Helena... <laughs> I don't know what they've got in common. <laughs> and they're trying they're trying to protect the kids. Because yeah. Renee is always cutting the kids slack where other cops would be terrible. And Helena is like, I am training the youth of tomorrow to be better. And and sometimes that does involve you know, shooting a crossbow bolt mm-hmm. at a shitty guy. <laughs> yeah. They have a reveal that like some kid had a run-in with Renee because he was trying to get away from his parents and he came back home and found out that his parents had been absolutely ruckus by Helena because they were also, like, in an organized crime family. Yeah. The kid was falling on hard times, and so Renee had to give him what for, but she was making sure that he didn't end up with anything permanent that could ruin mm-hmm. his future. But also, he's one of Helena's students, and she found out that he was having a bad time at home, so she put the fear of God inside his parents. Yes. Um, and Condiment King is there. Of course. They're like, do we have to take you in? And he's like, come on, I just, I just want some, I just want a steak. And so they leave him to his Denny steak, which he then puts ketchup and mustard on. And they're like, okay, he's a freak, but like, that's not illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what he did is a crime against God, but like. But not against. Technically speaking, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the only acceptable reason you put condiments on a steak is if the steak itself is trash. Or they're like part of the- like, you put the barbecue sauce on while you're making the steak. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. Depending. Holy wars might get- get, (laughs) Holy wars might get waged because of it, but... (laughs) It's defensible. It's defensible, especially, again, if you have a not-so-great steak. Don't mess up my bird of beef. Mm-hmm. Any other villains you want them to fight in one of their, like, five different bar brawls? Okay. Uh, let's look up some Batman villains. Because I don't think that they should be fighting, like, the big name villain. No, these are, like, B-listers at best, probably C-listers. Well, there's Copperhead. I remember him from the, from the Bruce Timm series. Okay. Yeah. Do you 
Did you ever watch the, like, Justice League? I saw a good chunk of Justice League, but I don't think I ever saw Copperhead on it. Okay. Um, basically, he's a guy with snake-adjacent powers, and he wears an orange snake costume. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's got a... Um, his powers are Supreme Contortionist, Prehensile Serpentine Tail, and secret uh, Secretes Deadly Poison. Okay, yeah, that can be a good villain for them to fight. So they have to, they have to go up against Copperhead. They have uh, like a, a partway through, they go up against Clue Master. Uh, they will have to fight Cassie a little bit, but then they figure out that the real villains are the the League of Assassins. So they have to fight Raish at the Bat Family Manor at the Wayne Manor. Yeah, and then I don't know. They defeat the baddies. It's dawn, and their day is done, or their night is done. Their night is done, but the team is just beginning. Yes. Because it's like, Oracle will be like, the the Bat family usually has the big stuff covered, but I think you three will be great to handle things a little closer to the ground. After all, Gotham's mm-hmm. a big city. Surely it's big enough for two superhero teams. Yeah. We end on a cool pop song because the Birds of Prey soundtrack fucking slaps. Absolutely. Uh... I don't know what would be on it because I am not in tune with popular music. So uh, that's for a younger composer to figure out. Girl rappers. It's just boss bitch again. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll just have Doja, Megan, and Normani all get together and sing a song together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's a wrap on our film. Yeah. We didn't go much into detail. I feel this was very much of like a do it kind of episode it's like here's what they should do and then they do it and it's done yeah well you know what the thing about dc and i think the era that we're getting into is that maybe this whole everything is interconnected and continuity heavy is overrated yeah and that leads into we don't have to set up stuff for sequels like it's it's it would be great if there was a sequel to this yeah, but I do it, have an idea for a sequel, but I think the sequel is more Harley Quinn coded. Yeah, and also like I, I wouldn't mind if franchises were a bit more like the Bond series, where in in that like the continuity is just shrug. Yeah, it's Elseworlds. Everything is Elseworlds. Just Elseworlds. Just Elseworlds. Yes. If if you want to adapt pieces of the comics. Just pick and choose the ones you want for your specific story and don't worry about other people's stories and let the actual comics tell their own stories instead of being relegated to being an IP farm. Yes. And maybe that way, you, especially you, DC, don't feel like you have to blow up your cannon every ten years. Exactly. Imagine imagine how great the Bad Family would be if you had, like, more Robins. Just make more Robins. <laughs> more Robins and Robins and Robins and Batgirls and Batgirls and Batgirls. Make a Bat Boy. <laughs> I think there has. Well, I don't think they can make a Bat Boy because Bat Boy is like. What's uh, what's his name from the National Enquirer? <laughs> oh, yeah, him! <laughs> I forgot about him. Uh, the only other thing I can think of is that since Barbara Gordon is Oracle, obviously she has to be in a wheelchair, so therefore she will be played by actual wheelchair user Ali Stroker in a red wig. Yeah. And Helena Bertinelli should wield a sledgehammer at some point, because Scott Pilgrim reference. Mary yes. Elizabeth Winstead. Mm-hmm. 
Anyways, that's the best I can do for a Birds of Prey movie, and, you know, I'm sure you can think of other things that I could put in there that would probably be a little better, because, like I said, I was kind of just like, what if Cassie Kane was closer to the comics? So while you compose your angry emails to me about how I did not, still didn't do her justice, which is valid, we're going to go to a friendship promo. Welcome, one and all, to Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends, the actual play podcast that steals. What does that mean? That means that we take stories from corporations and come back and tell our own fanfic-inspired actual plays with them. We do things like a Star Wars podcast that takes place 300 years after The Last Jedi. What if any Zoids media was good? We tell stories in those spaces that are better than the ones that the corporations tell us because we're not f***ing cowards. Please, come join us at Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends to hear a plethora of wonderful stories every once in a while on the Moonshot Podcast Network. Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends. Hosted by me, Riley Hopkins. All right, Lindsay, where can the world's greatest detectives find you on the internet? Well, as long as it still lasts, I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? So you can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpsart, or you, you can skeet me at sparkyupstart.bsky.social on Blue Sky. That's right. I got in. Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> I'm still in. And for, I will, I will get you a code. I, fi- I feel like you're, like, second in line for the code. Because, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> one of our other friends did get in and was like, Hey, Blue Sky Pact. Whoever gets in gets the other person a code. Uh, but I honestly feel like he's going to get in before I get a code anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so if you're able to get into the Blue Sky, you can find me there. And I, even though it's like, you you can't sit up side sky, sky blogs until... You have invite codes for them anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, so we're, I'm not going to worry about that. But I will be posting the, like, updates to our podcasts on my Blue Sky as well. So if you were trying to, like, just completely detach yourself from the Twitter and solely put yourself onto the Blue Sky, you can still get updates from it as you're following me. Yeah. We should probably make a Tumblr, too. Well, we have the corner podcast Tumblr that Christina is trying to put together. But okay. it's very much just, like... We, it, it, we're not, we haven't put the steam in it yet, so it kind of yeah. like, oh, fuck, right, we have a Tumblr. We forgot about that. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, that being said, though, if you, if you are going to try and stay on t- Twitter, then this podcast does have a separate Twitter account, which is N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first, and then I pronounce, I'm a boss-ass bitch, 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 bitch. You can also email us at not if I reboot you first at gmail.com or you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your ideas for a new Robin or Batgirl <laughs> or Batboy. <laughs> Pitch a podcast where every episode you have to invent a new member of the Bat family. Actually, hang on. I'm going to send that directly to, to, to the podcast minds. Um, but <laughs> while I do that, you can uh, email us about a friendship promo, whether it's an audio clip or a proof for us to read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast, your YouTube, or even your secret all-female vigilante group. <laughs> Not if I reboot you first as a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. 
As always, our cover art is by Alex Fierson. Her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by Sean Clake, whose contact info is available upon request. This podcast is recorded on Treaty Port Territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Sotil, and Assiniboine, and homeland of the Métis. So, Tanner. So, Lindsay. Originally this episode, like, I was going to be like, ooh, it's tying in to the Barbie release because Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie, Barbie, ba da ba da ba uh, But that obviously did not quite fall through. But fortunately, we have a different thing we can tie into for the search engine optimization because we have a guest next week. Yay! And they will be unveiling their secret contract with Mattel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Yeah, so we're going to pull that episode out of our pocket next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye.